I said, how many have blessed assurance today? Amen. I want you to stay standing and go to Ruth chapter 4. Praise God. Ruth chapter 4. A couple of things as I'm going to Ruth chapter 4 today. We have a group of about 60 that are already in Washington. And if you see me bolt out of here right after I preach, I've got to go catch a flight. Um, just being totally honest and transparent, I'm going to Washington today to join them. Uh, what's ironic is that last year, I believe it was last year, maybe it was the year before, um, so Devin and Crystal and the school planned a trip to Washington, D.C. for the kids. We believe that part of the educational process is taking our sons and daughters to strategic places to pray. I believe where our feet touch, that land belongs to us for the glory of God. So a year, maybe a year ago, a year and a half ago, we had planned a year before, we planned a trip to Washington, D.C., having no clue that it would be on the day that Justice Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed into the Supreme Court. And when we planned this trip that they're on now, we didn't know, we knew the season, but we did not know the day that Judge Amy Comey Barrett would be confirmed into the Supreme Court. That's happening tomorrow at the time that we are scheduled to be on the steps of the Supreme Court praying. I want you to understand why I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this because our prayer for probably Devin and I started praying. I know there were people before us who were praying this. God really touched our heart probably 10 years ago to begin to pray in this way. Lord, let the courts of America be more in line and in harmony with the courts of heaven. True justice in the womb and in the streets will only happen when people who value life the way God values it sit on those Supreme Court seats. This is not a political statement. This is a life statement. I believe we, the people of God, should fight for life in the womb and in the streets all the way. We call it from the womb to the tomb. Amen. We believe in fighting for, I, I don't know why this gets so um, whatever in the church when you talk about this. This is not a political statement and it's really a trap of the enemy and a trick of the devil to turn life into a political statement. But life, both in the womb and in the streets, see we fight, we fight for life in the womb and in the streets because the church forever made a loud sound about abortion, but we didn't make a loud sound about injustice in the streets. If you're really for righteousness and you're really for justice, you'll fight for them in both places. You'll fight for them in both places. And, and I want you to pray for us because there are 60 students that are in uh, Washington today with some of our teachers and leaders. And uh, it's not just the righteous who showed up to pray, the witches have showed up to pray. You know you're in the right place when the witches show up to pray. And you say, how do you know that? Why would you say that? Because wherever darkness is, light ought to make a noise and, and, and show up. And we're coming to represent the kingdom of God. So I want everyone in this room to understand that our fight in this house for justice is one of life. And we will fight for life both in the womb and in the streets of our city. And, and, and we want justice and justice is blind to political party. Justice doesn't even belong to us. Justice belongs to God. And because it belongs to God, we are called to fight for it and to reflect it. So I just want you to pray for us. Pray for me today that, that uh, I don't miss my flight because it's a quick one. I got to get out of here. I told Chris, I said, I probably ought to drive because I'm going to have to repent the whole way for how fast I drove to the airport. Amen. So I'm going to get right into the word, but before I do, I want you to help me welcome our Athens family. Come on, tell Pastor Chris and Amy. We have Pastor Devin and Ingrid here today. I was blessed to see that. I love you all so much. We love you in Athens. We thank God for you, and we're connected by the Spirit through technology, and, and we're just thankful for what the Lord is doing in Athens, Tennessee, through our church family there. I want you to go to Ruth chapter 4, and um, I'm going to endeavor to to just communicate this as, as God communicated it to me. I really feel like this is more than a sermon. It's just to pronounce a blessing over you. And um, I preached this past week, just in total transparency, I preached this past week at Ruach a message called The Lord of the Breakthrough, 
But in the middle of that, um, in studying for that, God showed me something I had never seen here in the book of Ruth. And I really felt like that God told me that that was for the house. I didn't really preach it at Ruach, but I, but I saved it for you. I saved it for you. Look at somebody say, he saved it for us. And this blessing is for you and your family today. And, and this is not going to sound like a blessing at first, but I hope to deliver it in a way and, and, and help you to understand what it is that the Lord is trying to say to us. So I want to preach a message to, today called the House of Breakthrough. How many want to live in a house of breakthrough? How many want to go to a church that's a house of breakthrough? Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, God wants your house to be a house of breakthrough. I want us to go to the Word of God. I'm going to read a few passages here. Let's look at um, Ruth chapter 4, verse 11, and we're going to put it on the screen, and I want us to read it together. And the Bible says, And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah. Watch this. This is a, this is a blessing that the people of the gate the, the elders of the city are releasing over Boaz and Ruth. And I'll explain that in just a few moments. This is the content of the blessing that they bless them with. May the Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. And may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez. Say house of Perez whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord give you from this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and when he went in to her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel. Wow. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne this child. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became a nurse to him. And the neighbor women gave him a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. And he is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David. Now this is the genealogy, and I know, I know that genealogies are often skipped in our Bible reading plan, but there's something good in the begats, and there's something here for us. Now watch this. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Say Perez again. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz, Boaz begot Obed, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. I don't know where the last verse went, but I know my Bible. Hallelujah. And how many know, how many know that when God declares a blessing over your house, your house will be blessed? If you believe that, say amen. Father, help me to teach on the house of breakthrough today and may this blessing permeate the walls of every home that is represented. I pray for the power of God that brings breakthrough to come to every house. And I pray they would understand. You would help through my, just, sometimes, Lord, we preach in great strength, but sometimes we know that if you don't do it, it won't get done. So today I'm aware and I recognize and I'm totally convinced that if you don't bless us, we'll never be blessed. And if you do bless us, nothing can stop the blessing. So may that kind of blessing rest upon the people today. And everyone said amen. You can be seated in the house of God. So you know the story of Ruth, and I'm, I'm not going to attempt to preach all that is preachable in the book of Ruth today. That would be just crazy. And there's so much in Ruth. Ruth, it's one of my favorite books to preach from. There's a lot of good stuff in Ruth. Ruth is the story of a Bethlehemite woman named Naomi and her, her husband named Ahimelech. The Bible says that they had two sons and that a famine came to Bethlehem. Now that's a problem because Bethlehem means house of bread. And when there's a famine in the house of bread, it forces people to leave and go look for food elsewhere. 
And in a very desperate move, the Bible says that Naomi and her sons and her husband left Bethlehem, Judah, and went to a place called Moab. And they went to Moab to find food during the famine that was in Bethlehem. And while they were in Moab, your Bible says that Naomi and Ahimelech's two sons, namely Chilion and Malon, they took wives from Moab. So while they're in Moab, these two son, sons of Naomi get married and they have, um, they begin to build a family. And the Bible says that while they were in Moab, something tragic happened in the life of Naomi. She lost her husband and she lost her two sons. How many know that sometimes in life it feels like everything's just pouring on you? I mean, it feels like one thing after another. The old saying, when it rains, it pours. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not in my hometown anymore. There is no bread in my hometown. I came to this strange foreign land called Moab to try to survive during a famine. And while I'm here trying to survive, not only am I going through great loss and, and experiencing lack, but now my husband and my two sons are dead and all Naomi is left with are two daughters-in-law. But the word of the Lord says that she heard that the famine had ended in Bethlehem. And when she heard that bread had come back to Bethlehem, she made up her mind, I've lived in Moab long enough, I'm going back home so that I can eat the bread of Bethlehem. And the Bible says that before she left, she called in her two daughters-in-law, her sons and her husband already gone. Naomi called in her two daughters-in-law and said to her, to, said to them, you go live with your people. You go back to Moab. You stay here in Moab. Live with your family. I've got to go back to Bethlehem, and I've got to go back to be with my people. The Bible says Orpah kissed her and walked away. But Ruth, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, your Bible says that Ruth told Naomi. This is where we get this, this commitment pledge that we often say in weddings. We get it from right here in Ruth. Because Ruth is a Moabitess, and all she knows, all she knows is that there is something about Naomi's life, and there's something about the God Naomi serves, and there's something about this godly land that Naomi lives in that Ruth doesn't want to stay in Moab. Ruth wants to go back with Naomi, and so she says to her, Orpah can leave if she wants to, but I'm going to stay with you, Naomi, for the rest of my life. Where you go, I will go. Who you serve, the God you serve, I will serve. I'm going to be connected to you for the rest of my life. And there's something about Ruth in this moment when she makes this commitment to Naomi that it starts this, this, this cycle of blessing in her life because whenever you decide to put God first and to stay committed to God, it doesn't matter that you lived or were born or connected to Moab. Your future is not in Moab. Your future's in Bethlehem where the bread is, honey. I want to tell you this morning that some of you, you and I, we are living lives that we did not deserve to live, not because we earned them, but because we made a decision that I'm going to go wherever you take me, Lord. I'm going to follow you and stay connected to you for the rest of my life. Wherever you lead me, that's where I'm going to go. And it doesn't matter how bad Moab is, if you ever make up your mind to go to Bethlehem and to live with God, God will break everything off of you from Moab and give you a destiny in Jesus Christ. If you believe that, somebody say amen. So Ruth, she goes with Naomi back to Bethlehem. And when she goes back to Bethlehem with Naomi, the Bible says that you have to understand Ruth is a Moabitess. She's not an Israelite. She doesn't even look like an Israelite. She came from a foreign land. She, she's not even really supposed to be enjoying the blessing of the, of the, that the people of God enjoy. She's a Moabitess. But when you get connected to the right people, God, God will absolutely open doors for you that are beyond explanation. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Have you ever made a decision to follow God and there are some people in your family and some friends that you had, their life didn't end up like your life. In fact, I've got people in the, the graduating class, the last time I heard, 17 of my peers from my graduating class in 1997 had already died. Now you say, Pastor, are you better than them? No, I'm not better than them. I'm just thankful. And, and it's a sad thing. Several of them committed suicide. Several of them overdosed. Several of them got shot. One is serving a life sentence in jail for murdering another person. And I often sit and think, how in the world did that not happen to me? And there is only one explanation. There is only one explanation. I serve a God who is faithful to his promise. And when I put my faith and my trust in him, he is able to take me out of Moab and bring me into the blessing. Come on, somebody in here today needs to just thank God that you're not where you came from. And you're, you don't have to remain a product of your past. There is hope and there is a future in Jesus. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts I have for you. I have thoughts to bring you a hope and a future. Glory to God. And, and Ruth is about to embark on this amazing journey of following God. She comes back with Naomi and the Bible says that Naomi informs her, that there is this person who is connected to their family, who is a, a wealthy man and a landowner, and his name is Boaz. Now, when you get connected to Jesus, I want to tell you, number one, God will make you a place. I said God will give you a place. Some of you have been wondering where you fit. You fit with God and his people. You hear what I'm telling you? I said, you fit with God and his people. There are, there are religious people who told you you don't fit in church. You don't fit in the kingdom. You, you, you're too screwed up to be used by God. I want to fix it and clear the record today. You have a place in the kingdom of God. And it doesn't matter what place you came from. If you'll put your hope and trust in God, he'll raise you up out of the mess of Moab and bring you into a land of blessing. Does anybody believe? what I'm telling you this morning there's a place for you look at your neighbor tell them there's a place for you there's a place for you not only is there a place for you there's provision for you you've got to recognize that when she came from Moab to Bethlehem she knew nobody but Naomi she didn't have connections there was no job board down at the local market she didn't have any way to get money. She didn't even have a way to feed herself. So what Ruth said is, if I've got this kinsman redeemer who owns land, this person in our family that's got, I'm going to go to his field and I'm going to take the leftovers after the harvesters pick the harvest. So she goes out into the field. Oh, yes. She may have been from Moab, but she caught the eye of the owner of the field. I feel like getting happy in my soul right here. Aren't you thankful that God sees something in you? Don't miss this. You're not just attracted to him. He is attracted to you. I feel like that's better than y'all just said. I said, God is attracted to you. Pastor, how could he be attracted to me? I'm from Moab. I got dirt all in my fingernails and dirt all over my face. And my name is Ruth and I'm not even supposed to be here. And how in the world? Yeah, I know it, but the Bible says it this way in the book of Romans. He loved us first. We didn't come after him because we got our act together. We come after him because we're living in a revelation that when we were from Moab and were a mess, that's when the Bible said he died for us. Not when we were godly, not when we got all of our ducks in a row, but Christ died for the ungodly. This is the blessing of salvation. That Jesus doesn't wait on me and you to get our act together and clean up our mess. I, I was no, I'll never forget preaching as a young preacher and the person came down to the altar and he said to me, I'm going to go home and flush some stuff down the toilet and then I'm going to come back tomorrow night and get saved. I said, oh no, you're not. 
You're getting saved right now and can flush it all tomorrow. He said, but I need to get rid of my sin first. I said, brother, the only thing you need to do right now is give him your heart because tomorrow is promised to no man. Give him your heart now. We'll flush the mess later. He doesn't need you to flush it before he forgives it. He'll forgive you just like you are and give you a hope in the future. Somebody say amen. The Bible said that Boaz was attracted. He saw her gleaning in the field. She was a Moabitess. She didn't have her nails did. She didn't have her hair done. She probably looked like she came out of abject poverty because she had just escaped a famine and come from the place of Moab. And yet the Bible said that Boaz was attracted to her and he went to his workers. I love this. I love this. I'm about to get happy right here. He went to his workers and said, you see her over there in the corner? Tomorrow, as you're gleaning, I want you to reap some and throw out handfuls on purpose. Because <laughs> she's going to come back tomorrow and I want her to find some blessing. Oh, God, I'm getting ready to bless myself. Has anyone ever lived and been blessed by a handful from God that he left for you on purpose? I'm not talking to perfect people. I'm talking to thankful people. I'm not talking to perfect people. I'm talking to rescued people. I'm not talking to perfect people. I'm talking about people who were just out in the field, thankful that they were not in Moab anymore, thankful that they were not who they used to be. You're just out in the field, thankful that you're not trapped in the trap you used to be trapped in. And all of a sudden, while you're walking through the field, you look down and you say, oh my goodness, somebody left me some look at this blessing and you reach down and grab it and you wonder do I deserve it no I don't deserve it but everybody else is already gone it must be mine can anybody praise God for what is yours I want to let you know it didn't happen accidentally that blessing you're talking about was not a coincidence it was a handful on purpose God put that bless oh my God who am I talking to in this room. Has anybody ever received a handful on purpose? Glory! Anybody ever got a job you know you wasn't educated enough to have? Anybody ever been blessed with something you know you couldn't have afforded in yourself? Anybody ever had a door open that your key couldn't open, but a God with another key opened it for you? It's a handful. It's a ha oh, oh, oh. It's a handful on purpose. It was God who did it. I feel like preaching. It was God that did it in your life. It was a handful from God that he left for you on purpose. The difference between people of faith and people of doubt is that when something good comes in their life, the people of faith know it came from God. And the people of doubt wonder, was this my connections? Did I manipulate my way into this blessing? Did I make adjustments? That it was, no, no, no. I feel like God just whispered to me and said, tell them the blessing coming into their life is going to leave them no doubt. There will not be a doubt that that was a handful from God left for you on purpose. How many got one thing in your life right now that when it happens, you know it will be God. You know it will be God. I dare you to praise him right now. I know how you're going to praise him when it happens, but I dare you to praise him right now like you're going to praise him. When it's there, and all you have to do is bend over and grab it. Look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, it's reaping time. It's reaping time. I'm tired of COVID. I'm tired of talking about how bad it is. The Bible said in Galatians chapter 6, in due season, you will reap if you do not quit. Somebody touch your neighbor. Tell them don't quit. Don't quit. You're getting ready to reap something that God left for you on purpose.
Yes, yes, yes. Children are coming in. Finances are being released. Jobs are coming your way. Handfuls on purpose. Lord have mercy. Yes, 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 yes. So the Bible said that she, she started reaping handfuls on purpose. And you know the story. I will condense it for the sake of our time together. Naomi instructs Ruth that this Boaz, she should go into his chamber, his tent at night, and to make herself known to him. I wish I had time. But this is an act of introduction because her future was connected to her intimacy with Boaz. Yes. Your future is connected to your intimacy with the Redeemer. All these people trying to find shortcuts and is there a shortcut and how can I get to the place? You will not live in the blessing until you want the blesser more than you want the stuff. God is tired of weekend dates who blow kisses on Sunday and ignore him Monday through Saturday. He wants somebody that will roll up the covers. Y'all can't handle this on Sunday morning. Somebody who will roll up the covers, get in the tent and say, I want you. I'm thankful for the handfuls on purpose, but I came for you. Oh, who am I talking to? I'm thankful for the car, but I want you. I'm thankful for the house, but I want you. Come on, I'm thankful for the relationship, but I didn't come for anybody else. I want you. God said your future, I feel this thing, your future is connected to your intimacy with the Redeemer. He, and he, and he essentially says, this is going to be my wife. And he makes it known in the fourth chapter of Ruth, verses 1 through 10, what he says to his city is, she's from Moab, and oh, I got so many trails, I'm going to go preach, but I'm going to stay focused because I got to catch a plane, Glory. Chapter 4, he said, I am stepping up to say she belongs to me and I am her kinsman redeemer. Kinsman redeemer is somebody who has the ability to redeem everything that that family lost. And all they got to do is find someone who will betroth and be the kinsman redeemer. Now, what you must understand is that in the third chapter of Ruth, there was somebody in line before Boaz. There was another redeemer who was actually in line to take Ruth by the hand. Watch this. The Bible said that when that man came, and the Bible doesn't give us his name. The reason the Bible is an intentional, I believe, about not giving his name is because history should never belong to the people who didn't pay the price. Y'all don't hear what I'm telling you right here. So Boaz goes to the man and says, here is Ruth, the Moabitess, and, and, and her mother-in-law Naomi, and they, they, got this, they got this land, and will you be the kinsman redeemer of the land and the property? And the man hears money. Land, come on. Property, yeah, I want the stuff. And then, and then Boaz says, well, if you want all the land and the property connected to them, you got to take her hand in marriage. And he said, hold on a minute. I love the land, but I'm not sure I love her. And, and, and what Boaz does is Boaz says, well, you can't have the stuff until you have the relationship. It's what I told you just a moment ago. And the man said, I don't want a relationship with her. Aren't you thankful that when some people dropped you and said they don't want you, Boaz stood up and said, you're still mine. Who am I talking to? 
Who am I talking to in here? Can somebody be thankful that God doesn't treat you like other people who dropped you, other people who ignored you, other people who wouldn't even associate themselves with you? Now, I know you're sitting up in here today and you got everything going on and you looking Pentecostal, but you ain't always look like this. And I'm thankful that God not only loves me when I look like this, but he loved me when nobody else wanted me and he kept me when others threw me away. Boaz said, I'll take her. How many are glad God will take you? Boaz said, I'll take her. And he took her and said, this is my wife. And he goes to the leaders of the city and said, she's a Moabitess, but she's mine. And then they decide they're going to get married. Yeah. Because that's what you do when you get in love. Single people, be careful how quickly you get to the place of intimacy. When you cross lines, you don't get back, you don't go back. I'm teaching on relationship right here for two minutes. Everybody says, everybody says, well, you know, we just, we're, we are, we have privileges. No, you don't have privileges. You're breaking the word of the Lord. God wants you to be holy before you get married. <laughs> there comes a point in every relationship where you get married, you live in sin, or you break up. And the faster you start progressing in Intimate exchanges will determine how quickly you get to that point where you get married, live in sin, or break up. This is heavy stuff right here. But when you fall in love, that's why you've got to save the love word for people you know for real. You, you can't go on one date and talk about, I love him already. You don't love him. Well, I know I do. You don't know him yet. He showed you that smile and that bling, but what you don't know is behind that door, there's some snakes you better get. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I know when I'm talking right. They got married because their relationship had gone through a process and their love had been proven. But you got to be careful and take time in making sure you have proven the relationship. And there comes a point in every relationship where you get married, you live in sin, or you break up. Devin and I dated five months before we, six months before we got married. Now, I knew her two years. That's right. <laughs> I, I knew her two years. I made a mistake. The first time I saw her, first time I saw her, I said, I'm going to marry her. No, the Lord said to me, that's who you're going to marry. I went, oh, Jesus. <laughs> that's who I'm going to marry. Thank you, Lord. I went to her and said, you know what God told me today? She didn't know me from Adam. God told me I'm going to marry you. She called the police. <laughs> I need a restraining order. This dude is chasing me to classes and everything. I knew her for two years. We dated for six months. I want you to make sure that you understand relationship is reserved for people that have proven themselves through a process that they are committed to you. Relationship is more than just, I feel good around them. <laughs> Y'all married people better say something, amen or something. Because there's some mornings you wake up, you're like, what? I don't feel what I felt the day I got married. Her breath is stinking, his breath is stinking. Come on. But you don't stay together because of feeling. You stay together because you're faithful. And they made a commitment. This is our time to get married because our relationship has been proven and we went through the process. And so they get married. And all that was the introduction. Because in fourth chapter, the 11th verse, they come. This is a very common practice in ancient Israel for them to come to the gates of the city to receive the blessing of the elders upon their marriage. You should only marry people who the leaders in your life witness to, now I'm not talking about arranged marriages, but how many know if your mother and father are godly people who hear the voice of God, you should want their blessing on your union. And they come to the gates of the city and the elders of the city are sitting there and this is the blessing that they release over them. And I, oh, it's so good. Now, I want you to understand the words that they release over them are not just words that they released over Boaz and Ruth. This is a 
sort of a, um, a blessing that had been released over many Israelite couples over the years. And it was something that was practiced and it was a blessing that the, the people of God received with thanksgiving when they heard it. And this is what I felt like God told me this week when I was asking the Lord, exactly, Lord, what do you want me to say? He said, I want you to release this blessing over the people. I want you to release the blessing that the elders of Israel released over Boaz and Ruth. I want you to bless the homes of your people today. So I started reading this, and, and, and I, I, I really want to focus on, on one part of this, but let me, just, let me just tell you the content of the blessing because it's so good. The people of the city, the elders of the city came to the gate. Boaz and Ruth are standing there. They're getting ready to be married. They're getting ready to start their new life together. They're getting ready to launch out and build a family. And the elders say, may the blessing of Leah and Rachel, may the woman that you're marrying be as Leah and Rachel. Now, this is crazy because Leah and Rachel had super fruitful wombs. In fact, 13 sons born through these two ladies. What the elders of Israel, Israel are saying to Boaz is, may the woman you're blessing have a fruitful womb. I want to say two things about that. Number one, I want to say that God, I believe we're in a season right now, and I feel this in my heart, where sisters in our fellowship who have been told they cannot have children, God is going to give you children. I know that ain't for everybody, and there's some 55-year-old sisters in here being like, I bind that in the name, in the name. I ain't no Sarah. Abraham, get your eyes off me. He is not talking to me today, right? I get that. I know that there's some sisters in here like, no, not us. <laughs> But there's some sisters in here who want children. The, the doctor told you you can't have them. In the name of Jesus, I bless you with the blessing of Leah and Rachel. I bless you with an open womb in the name of the Lord. I pray for fruitfulness to come to your womb in the name of Jesus. And may every child that you bear be dedicated and giving glory to God all the days of their long life in Jesus' name. And I rebuke the curse of barrenness that the enemy has tried to pronounce over you. You are blessed and not barren in the name of Jesus. Then he said, look at this. Then he said, May you, may you prosper, may you prosper in Bethlehem. Is that right? Verse number 12, look at your Bible with me. I'm going to bless you like, may you, may you be powerful in Ephrathah and famous in Bethlehem. I got it backwards. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Prosper and be known. And I say that, and there are, there are people who say, I don't want to prosper. I, I want the Lord to be known. I do too, but he's going to be known through his children. I hope you will grab this with me. I want you and your family to prosper. What you put your hands on, I'm asking God to multiply. Well, you know, Brother Wallace, I just... Don't want all that. You don't even know what all that is. I want to say this. I don't want anything God doesn't want me to have. But I want everything he told me was mine. That's how you ought to live. I'm going to say it again. I don't want anything God doesn't want me to have. But I want everything he told me was mine. Why would I do that? Because God has a purpose of blessing you and prospering you, and it is bigger than you enjoying the house and the car you drive in. He wants to bless you because he has lost people in mind. He has cities and towns and regions and nations in mind. How can he ever bless nations unless he first bless Abraham? Why does the church clam up when we start talking about prospering? It's like, I don't, want, I don't like this. I want to suffer all of my life. Stop suffering for something Jesus suffered for so that you could walk in. He became poor. He lost everything so that he could give us everything. 
And the most important thing he gave us is spiritual riches and the ability to sit with him in heavenly places. But he told his disciples, none of you will give up houses and friends for me on this planet that I will not pay back to you a hundredfold in this lifetime. That is not my word. That is not out of a book. That is red letters written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus said, if you pay it all for me, I'll make sure I don't owe you any Anything, and I'll bless you coming in and I'll bless you going out. Hallelujah. We struggle with being prospered because most of us think that prosperity and prospering, this is the prosperity gospel. That's not true. The gospel is the life, the death, the resurrect, the birth, the life, the resurrection, pardon me, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, and the second coming of Jesus. That's the gospel. But when that Jesus saves you, he doesn't just give you a get out of hell free card. He blesses every area of your life. And there are people in this room today who, who God is about to take to another level in your life of prospering. What your hands on are going to be blessed. Your job is going to be blessed. Well, I don't, I don't know. I've never heard this before, and I heard that we shouldn't be blessed. That's because you listen to someone who wasn't telling you the truth. Jesus came to bless you not because it's just about what we, what we wear and you know, our nails and our hair. It's bigger than that. The blessing isn't just for our consumption. It's for our giving and our sowing and our our taking the gospel to the world. Let me ask you a question. Do you think we would be able to feed people, clothe people, go on television and spread the gospel if everyone who come to church was broke or stingy? It's impossible. When we get an opportunity to go on another television station and they call us and they say, this one just come open, would you like it? Pastor Richie doesn't say, will you take green beans as a form of payment? (laughs) Will you you give us five years on, that doesn't happen. Money, you got to have money to do ministry. When we take up offering and tithe every Sunday, it's not because we're begging, because if you don't, the lights won't be turned. It's because we believe God put us here to reach lost, hungry, dying people. And we just want to make sure that as we remain faithful to the Great Commission, we also understand that investing in the expansion of it is what God honors. If you don't want to be blessed, don't be generous and don't give. Because if you ever make the change in your heart that I'm going to be a generous giver, I'm going to be a generous sower, I'm going to be a person that God can bless, I am telling you right now, if you ever make him the pursuit, everything else in life falls into line and lack will not be your problem. Prosper. I want you to prosper. I get blessed when people come in and tell us stories about, we just got a raise. They was just testifying last week or two weeks ago about some huge raise. And I think to myself, some people out in the world would think, oh, that was luck. She said, thank you, God. God is a good God. He's a good God. He provides for his children. Well, I've never seen it, so I don't believe it. That's a real good reason not to believe it, isn't it? You've never seen it before. How about there's a first time for everything? And what if God was about to take you and your family and your marriage and yourself on a journey to reveal his goodness and willingness to prosper? All that you put your hands on, what I'm trying to tell you is that God takes great pleasure in blessing those who are faithful to him. Prospered them. He said, I want you to be famous, which is really wild. May your name be known. (laughs) Here's what I feel about that. If you have a right heart, you will do all you can to stay hidden, and God will do all he can to reveal you. The Bible says in the book of John that John the Baptist was hidden in the wilderness until his revelation came to Israel. There was a time when John the Baptist came out of hiding, and it was God's timing. 
And let me tell you this, you should want to stay hidden until God wants you revealed. This is one of the reasons why I tell all of the young preachers that, that I'm connected to, hide. Hide as long as you can. Why? Because if you get promoted before you've been processed, then pride will kill you. I'm not getting any help on that one. How many have seen, how many have seen young ministries or young preachers ascend meteorically, very quickly, and then crash out of nowhere? Why? Because if you're going to be known, it means that if you're going to be known and God reveals you, it means he reveals you because he knows that you've died the death necessary to keep you from being bloated in pride. I'm content and I hope you're content with staying hidden. Because if you'll be content serving God and being faithful when nobody watches, I always say it like this, if you'll do what nobody wants to do while nobody's looking, God will let you do what everybody wants to do while everybody's looking. He said, I want you to prosper. I want you to have a fruitful womb. I want you to be known. <laughs> you hear that and you think, what am I going to be known for? Well, there's a couple of things you can be known for, right? How many want to be known for leaving a godly mark on your generation? I don't want to be known for things that brought reproach on the Lord or his kingdom. I want to make decisions and live my life every day so that if there is a mark left from Kevin Wallace's life, may it be a mark that honors God and testifies of his goodness and faithfulness in my generation. You should want to be known for all the right reasons. <laughs> How many know those people? And you know them and you're like... I know them for all the wrong reasons, right? I want us to live lives, and I want you to be blessed enough to be known for all the right reasons. You were kind. You were compassionate. You were a person of love. You were a person of forgiveness. You were a person who helped those who were down and out. You'll be known by your works, the Bible says. And how many want to live the kind of life where you work during your life so that when your life is over, the memory of you is a godly memory. Finally, this is it. This is the blessing I want to release over you today. He said, I want your house to be like the house of Perez. And you're like, what does that mean? I'm going to tell you. By the time that Ruth and Boaz became a, a thing and were an item and gotten blessed, there was a common phrase and blessing that was used as people blessed homes in that day. And this is that phrase. It is called the blessing of Perez. And it's not, it's not just that it was mentioned here. In fact, um, extra biblical literature tells us that this whole thing about the house of Perez had become synonymous among the people of God for being blessed with um, the grace, I should say it that way, the grace of breaking through. Let me, show, let me show, explain to you what I mean. I'm going to explain this, Okay. Genesis 38, so in Ruth chapter 4, verse 12, they're getting married, and the elders say, may your home be like the home of Perez. How many have ever heard about the home of Perez? Anybody? If you were here at Ruach, you heard a little bit about it, but if you weren't, maybe you've never heard about it before. I want to take two minutes to explain the house of Perez so that you understand what kind of blessing we're talking about here. The house of Perez began in Genesis chapter 38, and if you're taking notes, write this down and go back and read the whole story later. It's actually like something straight out of Mari Povich or... Or it's like, it's like inside edition. This is the craziest story of all time. But Judah has a daughter-in-law. And the daughter-in-law is married to Judah's son. Judah's son dies. The daughter-in-law dresses up like a harlot. This is all in Genesis 38. And it's a true story. She stands outside of the city. And Judah comes by not knowing it's his daughter-in-law. And sleeps with her. And she gets pregnant with Judah's sons. It's crazy, right? You're, I'm saying this and you're like, we didn't know that was in the Bible. It's in the Bible. She's pregnant with twins. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 38 that it came time for her to give birth to the sons. And when the sons came out, the Bible says that as the mother Tamar was giving birth to the sons, one, one hand shot through the mother's womb and came out. And midwives, this is all found in Genesis 38, midwives were responsible for attending the birth of the mother of the twins. And, and they had to tie uh, some sort of identifying uh, 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 
cord to the hand or, or, the, or, or the foot that came through the mother's womb first, okay? So a midwife is there with Tamar. She's got twins. Twins are getting ready to come out. Midwife is there, has the scarlet cord, and, and one of the babies shoot their hand through the womb, and the mother, pardon me, the midwife takes the cord, ties it around the hand, and said, that's going to be the firstborn. But something happened. Something happened in that moment that was absolutely transformational. The Bible says that the hand withdrew, went back up into the womb, and all of a sudden, something happened in the womb. A shift occurred. A shift occurred, and why, is it, why does it matter anyway who's born first? Like for us today, we don't make a big deal about who's first, but in the Bible, it's really significant who was the firstborn. Because the firstborn was entitled to the blessing and the birthright. Come on, somebody, talk to me. And so the reason they made such a big deal about tying the scarlet cord to the hand is that the one that came through first is the one that was initially supposed to receive the blessing and the birthright. But something happened in Genesis 38 that's never happened before, and that is that the baby's hand that came through first withdrew back up into the womb, and all of a sudden, a shift occurred in the womb, and the baby who was who was second repositioned himself and came out first and the midwife says oh my goodness we've never seen anything like this before because the baby who was supposed to be next actually got in front of the one whose hand shot through first and and the one that wasn't supposed to be blessed a shift occurred, and all of a sudden, that child is the one that is going to now receive the blessing and the birthright. And so when they looked at the baby, and oh, I got a revelation this past week. When the baby was born, they named it. Why didn't they name the baby before the baby was born? Because you can't properly name that child until it comes out of what it was messed up in. And if, if you're not careful, you will misname somebody while they're in the middle of the shift, but you got to let them come out of that thing and then you'll know what kind of blessing if, come on look at your neighbor tell them don't name me yet wait till I come out of this before you name me if you name me now you may misidentify me in my future you can't call me messed up because I'm getting ready to come through this thing and when I come through this thing my name is going to be watch this my name is going to be Perez we don't preach about Perez, but Perez means breakthrough. Jesus. What does it mean? It means that the one who wasn't going to get the blessing, the one who couldn't fit, the one who couldn't get past, the one who couldn't get over, all of a sudden God did something in the womb that opened up the womb and slid that thing that was in the way to the side and made room for the one who wasn't supposed to be the, having the birthright. All of a sudden that one is the one that's born first. How? God gave breakthrough. And you and I are in a moment in life where we don't need just another promise. We need a breakthrough. I don't know if anybody else needs this or not, but, 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 but our house needs a breakthrough. I, I like, like that baby that was behind someone else always waiting always being told you can't always feeling like i'll never overcome this always feeling like i can never get through this feeling like there's always a hindrance in front of me anybody know what i'm talking about it's like that thing in the room it's like that thing in life it's that thing you can't get around and you and you wonder am I gonna have to live with this my whole life and the Lord sent me to tell somebody today you're about to give birth to a Perez you're about to give birth to a breakthrough not just another promise that'll help you get over the hump but a breakthrough that will end this cycle of defeat in your life it's a breakthrough my God, I believe in the breakthrough. I believe I serve the God of a breakthrough. I feel like there are things that religion taught us to tolerate that Jesus wants to conquer. Just put up with it. Just live with the elephant in the room of your life. The devil is a liar. 
Jesus didn't come to teach me coping skills. He'd come to teach me how to conquer. And God, I felt that. God wants us to have breakthrough. The hindrance. Do you understand that this baby that shot its hand out first, it was trying to say, I'm coming through. I'm going to get it. It's mine. And, and Perez is in the back saying, oh, no. Oh, no. This belong to you. This one belongs to me. In fact, there is some rabbinical te- uh, literature that teaches us that the midwife had to take the scarlet, uh, the scarlet thread off the firstborn, uh, off the one that whose hand came through first and put it on the other child because sometimes the devil will try to steal your blessing and he will, oh I felt that, he will try to steal what belongs to you. He will try to pose himself and make you think that you're not as blessed as this book says you are and you don't have what this book says you have. I come to tell you today I believe this book over my thoughts I believe this book over the report of the enemy I believe this book over Fox and CNN I'm going to take this book right here this book is full of promises that are yes and amen and the problem is that sometimes when we get tested we just give up and say it can't be so it must not be mine but there's a Perez anointing coming upon somebody today and they're saying I refuse to be refused I deny that I'll be denied I've been waiting for a while but the Bible said weeping only endures for a night. Joy comes in the morning. Touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor there's a breakthrough coming to your house. I've got to get on a plane, but I feel like hollering in this church. There's a breakthrough coming to your house. A breakthrough coming to your finances. A breakthrough coming to your mind. A breakthrough coming to your marriage. A breakthrough coming to your children. You can't fix this in your own strength. You can't deliver yourself. But there is a God who has the power to break you through. Somebody's breaking through depression. Somebody's breaking through regret. Somebody's breaking through condemnation. Somebody shall break through. Well, these are just excited people. I am more than excited. I have experienced what I am preaching. I have been depressed. I have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I have felt like giving up. But I'm here today to tell you, when I felt like it was over, somebody showed up and broke me through. Somebody hollered Jesus. So, so the elders of Israel said, may your house be like the house of Perez. And I'm going to tell you this right now. You can stay standing. I'm through preaching. You, you, You and I, we are going to go through seasons as people of God where we get into a position that we can't deliver ourselves from. It will take, and I feel the Lord on me right now, it will take the power of God to break us through that moment. Okay, so some of y'all need an illustration, so I got one. Because growing up, we did not have a Sega, and we did not have a, y'all said, what is a Sega? A Nintendo, we didn't have an Xbox One or two, we didn't have a PlayStation yeah, we had something called outdoors. Outdoors, yes, outdoors, yeah. It always worked. The batteries never weren't run out and I didn't have to pay a monthly subscription fee. Hey! So when we went outside, we invented all these original games that didn't require any technology. One was called freeze tag. I've told you about that one before. And when you're the short chubby white guy in the neighborhood, you spend a lot of time frozen because they catch you and they touch you, they say tag. And you have to stand there until somebody come and rescue you. But there's another game that better illustrates what I'm talking about today. And uh, come, come help me. Come on, Connor. You, you guys on the front row. Come on, come on, all of y'all. Come on, come on, come on, Connor. Come on, come on. This is the game we used to play. Yes. Come stand right over here. 
Come stand right Yeah, come on. Lock arms like this right here. Come on. This is the game we used to play. And then, okay, so, so give me some. Mike, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Come on, I need some more brothers. Come on. Come on, don't run from me. Come on, don't run from me. Come on, come on, help me. Help me, right? Right. Okay, so we're all right here. And we're in the, we're in the neighborhood. And this is the illustration that God gave me for you. This is deep. And it went like this. Red Rover. Ooh. Red Rover. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And we said, send Connor right over. So Connor, don't do nothing crazy because I got a bad shoulder sometimes. So he came over and Connor can't break through. So what happens? Connor joins this side. And, and the goal of Red Rover is to keep on picking the little people who can't break through. Because every time they run across, if they can't break through, they have to join this side. And the way you win is to deplete the other team and put them all on this. That's how you, and we would play for hours. Red Rover, Red Rover. Send Colin right over. And then Colin, come on. Come on, that's right, Colin. And then the next one. Come on, I don't know everybody's name, but I love everybody. Come on, come on. So, so you all come over and nobody broke through and everybody joined. And, then, and so, but there was always that one person in my neighborhood, and I ain't trying to be critical or ugly, but this is just what we called him. His name was Fat Freddy. I ain't trying to be mean. I'm just telling you what we called 400 pounds of solid steel. And nobody wanted Fat Freddy to come over. He was always the last one that got picked. So they get all the people over there, and they say, Red Rover, oh, Lord. Red Rover, send Freddy right over. And Freddy would take off running. I never in all my life seen anybody be able to hold Freddy when he came running. And Freddy come running, and he came running, and he come running, and boom, he come through and broke through. That is a breakthrough. And the the issue is, we've been asking for a lot of people to run over and help us, but nobody had the power to break through. And I'm getting ready to go jump on the plane, but I just heard the Lord say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Jesus right over. He is the Lord of the breakthrough, and somebody is coming through. I want you to touch your neighbor and tell them, send Jesus, send Jesus. He's a heavy load bearer. He's a way maker. He's a bridge over troubled water. Somebody holler his name. Jesus in the middle of divorce court. Jesus in the middle of the hospital room. Jesus in the middle of bankruptcy court. Jesus, somebody call on the name that is above every other name. There's power. Yes, I said there's power. In the name of Jesus, if you believe it, give him a shout of praise. So, that's just a little bit of context. When the elders said, the blessing of Perez be upon you. He's saying, may you have a house of breakthrough. Here's where it gets crazy. Perez was born and had Hezron. Hezron had a son who had a son who had a son who had a son and he had a son named Boaz. Boaz had a son named Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. If you keep tracking David's line, you find a man who came named Jesus. I feel him walking around in this room right now. Ah! I feel him walking around in this room right now. Some of you need to know something. Your breakthrough, Perez, is opening up the womb for blessing to come to your whole lineage and family tree. I'm going to say this. There's a reason why. Chad, can we show them this before we go? That last part of the fourth chapter of Ruth where it said, and Perez begot. 
Why does it not go before all of Perez? Because Perez is the one who broke through. It starts, whew, the blessing starts with the breakthrough. There is a reason why some of you in this room who were not raised in church are fighting stuff and it feels like you're fighting over time. Why? Because you are the Perez of your family tree. And there has been stuff in your house. And I'm not talking about your address. I'm talking about in your family house, your family tree, your bloodline. There has been stuff that came. And the devil said they'll never break through. They'll never break through. And the reason why you're fighting overtime is because there's some religious devils and some lust devils and some money poverty devils that you have been breaking off of your family. And you, know, you want to know something? What you're fighting right now, your children will not fight. And what your foe... God, I felt that. What you're fighting right now. Oh, God. I feel this in my spirit. What you're fighting right now, your babies will not fight. And your grandbabies will not fight. And you've been wondering why you've been fighting it so bad. It's because the devil did not want to let go. But I came to tell you on October 25th, the devil is about to let go. God, going to give your family a breakthrough. Somebody shout in the church. If you believe a breakthrough is coming to your house, take 15 seconds and shout because every curse is broken. Shout because the door is open. Shout because goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Yes! My children will not be hooked on dope. My children will not be, they will not die prematurely. My grandbabies are going to know God. There's a breakthrough in my house. Some of you have been fighting things. I'm through preaching. And you wonder, why am I fighting? You're not just fighting your devil. You're not just fighting for your breakthrough. You are fighting for your offspring. And one day should the Lord tarry. Five, six generations from now when you're in heaven, if the Lord tarries and you're great, 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 grandchildren are walking around and they're having Thanksgiving dinner and somebody pulls out all the pictures and they whoosh I feel the Lord working on your sister right now the Lord's doing something oh, Jesus thank you for the breakthrough they're going to be sitting around looking at pictures and they're going to see that picture of you see that woman that woman right there my great 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 grandma she broke something in this family Up until her life, we were a bunch of crazy, bound, jacked up people. But because of her and what God did through her, breakthrough came to our house. See that man in that picture? That's my great, 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 great papa. Everybody before him was an alcoholic and a wife beater, but something got a hold of him, and he had a breakthrough. Lift your hands. I want to bless you. I want to bless you.